Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Monday check-in. Today is Monday, May 4th, and it's the year 2020, still, currently. Uh, my name is Damon Heitman. I am one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska, joined this morning by... Greg Allen Pickett the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska. And for all of you Star Wars fans out there, may the fourth be with you. No, I refuse. I, I, I can say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is, the, this is the Monday check-in. For those who don't know, it's a thing that we started doing relatively recently. Um, we'll, we'll take a little bit of time. We'll share a few announcements, um, concerning the life of the church. And then after that, we transition into a little sort of a mini Bible study and discussion. And we, we preview the, the scripture for the upcoming Sunday. So, uh, that scripture happens to be first Peter chapter two, or at least part of that chapter, but we'll get there in a little bit before that, Greg, is there anything that we should know about? couple of quick announcements to share with you. <clears throat> the first is that our uh, Presbyterian Women Group every year for Mother's Day does a special Mother's Day offering, and they're doing that again this year. Uh, and so even though we won't be gathering in person for worship next Sunday, which is Mother's Day, um, or probably won't be, more, more to come on that, uh, they still want to do that. And it benefits a program called Healthy Beginnings out of Mary Lanning Hospital which is designed for uh, families to, that are at risk uh, to start from prenatal care until uh, the, the child is uh, two or three years old. And it basically just walks with the family with check-ins and that sort of thing to help ensure that the children who are being born in our community have healthy beginnings. So you are invited to contribute to the Mother's Day offering by uh, making a checkout to Presbyterian Women and sending it to the church or dropping it off at the church and benefiting uh, the Mother's Day offering for PW. And I do think once we do reconvene and start meeting in person again, they will probably do a follow-up to this uh, with a table set up in the memorial room. Mm -hmm. uh, the second announcement I have is just that uh, our scholarship committee has started meeting virtually and they are ready to start taking applications. They will take those through May 15th. So any uh, members of our church who are going to college or perhaps parents of members of our church who are going to college uh, do go onto our church's website, download the scholarship application and materials. And if you have questions, uh, William Oliver is chairing that scholarship committee and you can call the church office and get his contact info and uh, talk with him about what is required for that. The final thing is I alluded to with the Mother's Day offering uh, about when we might start meeting again in person for worship. Um, I miss meeting as a church family on Sunday mornings a lot. Uh, I'm tired of preaching just to a camera and not having people there. However, I also am concerned about the safety of our congregation. And ultimately, it's the decision of our session, the leadership council of our church, when we will meet again in person. And our session is convening tonight, May 4th, at 5.30 to uh, make that determination. And so you can expect to get an announcement from the church on Tuesday that reflects uh, what our plans are relative to in-person worship and that sort of thing. Uh, and we'll go from there. So that's all I got. All right, that seems that seems like a seems like a good amount. I would say. Right. <laughs> let's uh, let's uh, let's open then with a word of prayer, and then we can get into our Bible study. How does that sound? 
Sounds good to me. All right, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we come before you on this Monday morning and sometimes unsure of what day of the week it is or what time of the day it is. Uh, but we know that each day is yours, God. You claim each day is your own. And no matter what hour it is during the day, it's also yours, God. And so help us to ground ourselves in that truth, the reality that the world is yours and all that is in it, and that each day is yours and each hour of every day. Help us to seek your holy presence in the midst of the days and the weeks, even when they get confused and blend together for us. This morning, Lord, as we reflect on a scripture from 1 Peter, may we reflect as well on the life of Peter, the apostle who, uh, who wasn't perfect, and yet God was still able to use him in big ways. And may we realize that even though none of us are perfect, God will use us in big ways if we are open ourselves up to God's leading. May we find that leading this morning through our study of scripture, and may we go out into the world and follow God's leading to bring love and light into this world. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we have 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 10 for our sort of focus scripture or passage, I suppose, for this coming Sunday. And that passage reads something, uh, something like this. Uh, so this is Peter writing, uh, so first Peter is an epistle, it's a letter, so this is Peter writing to, actually to several communities, and, and, and addressing, addressing them. So the, uh, the communities that he's writing to are in modern day Turkey, so. Like newborn infant, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Here ends this reading. Greg, what do you got? Well, uh, picking up when you introduced the reading, Damon, you talked about uh, this is... Uh, Peter's epistle. So most of the books of the New Testament, besides the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are letters of Paul. Uh, and then there are a few that are not written by Paul or attributed to Paul. And this is one of them. Uh, First and Second Peter are attributed to Peter. Uh, biblical scholars will debate whether it was actually Peter who wrote them or somebody who used Peter's name writing on his behalf. But um, interestingly enough, most of the Pauline letters 
are written to particular communities in particular geographic places, right? So mm -hmm. Ephesians is written to the church in Ephesus and Corinthians is written to the church in Corinth. This letter that Peter writes is not written to a particular grounded community, but instead is written to sort of scattered believers, not to one particular church. And if you, if you go back to the first chapter of 1 Peter, it lists some of the different communities of scattered believers. But I just thought that was interesting that right now we're a group of scattered believers, right? We're not one particular church uh, in the sense that we're not gathering like the church in Corinth or the church in Ephesus, but instead we are doing church in our homes, certainly through, uh, through technology, still connecting as a family of faith. But there's, there's some parallels there to this notion of being scattered believers. Uh, and so what then does Peter have to say to this group of scattered believers about our faith and about our community? And this, uh, again, I, I might be overly drawing parallels here, and uh, Damon can correct my overdrawing of parallels should he decide to. But uh, it's this emphasis that it's, uh, that it's not about a building. It's not about gathering as in a physical structure, but instead that we, that Christ is the living stone, right? Come to him a living stone, though rejected by mortals and yet chosen and precious in God's sight. That's a reference to Jesus. And then you, like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a royal priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so in this time where we don't have the stones of our church that we can come and gather in, um, this is a reminder that that's actually, that's consistent with what it means to be the church, that we are the, we are the living stones. Uh, we are the ones who are supposed to be out there being the church in the world, not expecting that people are going to come into the front door of our beautiful church building on the corner of 7th and Lincoln but instead that we're to be sent out as living stones um, to be the church in the world. So that, that was uh, when I read through, we've talked about this a little bit there. There are four, four choices given for scriptures, right? Typically there's an old Testament passage, a Psalm, a gospel reading, and then an epistle. And I read through all four of them. And this one just immediately struck me as speaking to our current context. Um, and what can we learn from, the church 2000 years ago and Peter writing to that scattered church that we can apply today to our particular context. So, yeah. And there's an emphasis on, on holy living on holiness in, in Peter's writing, you know, sort of just before this at the, at the tail end of chapter one. So the book opens in the same manner that most of the letters open. There's a greeting and there's a, you know, a, a well wishes kind of a thing really at the start and towards the tail end of chapter one there's this sort of list of things that believers should turn away from uh, and they're sort of patterns of behavior kind yep. of a thing and and then it and it switches into you know instead of doing those things now you should you should long for this pure spiritual milk Mm -hmm. And you should become, you should become these living, holy stones. Right. So there's this sort of emphasis on uh, on how we, how do you live out this faith? Um, that's yeah, that comes through really strong and really well. Um, yeah, and 
what I like about it is to me, it, it gives the church, the body of believers, an identity, right? This is who you are. And this identity will sustain you. And scholars tell us that the communities that Peter were writing to were perhaps suffering persecution or suffering hardships. And, and so this admonition from Peter that you all are living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house. This is giving them an identity designed to sustain them in the midst of their suffering, right? That you are to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices. And then in 2.9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. And why are you that? You're that in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Uh, just some really rich imagery there and some really like a wonderful identity to help the church identify who they are in the midst of, of the hardships that they're suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we also get this kind of dual, <laughs> I guess stone is just a stone, right? <laughs> But if it's a stone that's uh, in the middle of your driveway, then it's then it's an impediment, right? Stumbling block. Yep. Yeah. If it's a stone that's you know that's the corner of your house, well, then it's a foundation piece, right? And and so we get this sort of you know in verse seven. Uh, to you then who believe, he is precious. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders um, rejected has become the very head of the corner and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Like this, this way of, of living as people of faith that with, uh, with a sense of generosity, with a sense of compassion, with a sense of empathy and love and mercy and forgiveness um, are things that may not make sense all the time walking around in the world uh, and that folks uh, and systems might look upon those things and say, well, those are kind of silly things. We don't, we don't really need those, <laughs> right? Um, what we need is profit and margins and those sorts of things. Um, and, but, you know, but to those who see the, the beauty of those things and the truth of those things, um, they, they make all the sense in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like, I get a sense here that the that faith is a, is a lifelong process, as Peter writes to this community. Right, it's not a something that happens immediately and then then it's there. But instead, it's a, this lifelong journey. We we uh, we work this out through living out this faith, through proclaiming the mighty acts of Him who called us out of darkness. Um, right. And, I mean, he starts by comparing them their infants. Right. Right. So that you may grow into salvation. This is an ongoing process, a lifelong process. Um, yeah. And then I just, I love the closing of this little section of scripture. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I just love that grounding in that intentional identity, right? Um, it just, there's, to me, there's a lot of comfort in that. And, uh, as I mentioned, there's, there's three other scriptures that we could draw from for this week in the lectionary. 
And one of them is a, a psalm that uh, speaks as well to that beautiful comfort that we have. And let me, uh, I just want to read, read that psalm. This is Psalm 31. It says, In you, O Lord, I seek refuge. Do not let me ever be put to shame. Incline your ear to me, rescue me, be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. You are indeed my rock and my fortress for your name's sake. Lead me and guide me, take me out of the net that is hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. And I, I love, I, I just really love the, the parallels uh, between those two things, that our identity is grounded in this God who is our safety and our refuge. But that, that, is, that is just the very core of who we are and who we're called to be. Yeah, and that also, that, so that, that's verse 10 of the passage, also connects this idea of um, that he's not necessarily writing to gathered community, like gathered, to gathered house churches, right? That, that once you were not a people, was, okay, you were, an in, you were once individuals, right? Um, but now you have this common identity. Like now you are a part of this. Not only are you a part of this faith that is bigger than you, but you are part of this community of believers that is, that is bigger than you. Uh, and it makes me think about the importance of feeling that I belong to a community and that I'm connected to a community, whether I'm always able to be physically present with the community or not, or whether I always choose to do that or not. Um, the knowledge that there is a place, there's a group that I can go to and be a part of and be accepted. And I think about, you know, throughout centuries, one of, you know, a common form of punishment was exile. Right. <laughs> well, okay, now you can't be a part of this community anymore. Um, and how, how devastating that was and, I mean, that still happens, not as formally, but still informally, people get exiled from their families or from communities and uh, how devastating that is. Um, and so the idea that you know, through your faith, you are a part of, you are now part of this people uh, is, a, yeah, is a tremendously powerful concept. Yeah. Yeah, and and we we were a community that could gather in fellowship, and right now we are a scattered community, and yet we still have that identity. And one day we will return to be gathering in fellowship, but in the meantime, we haven't lost that identity. Uh, it still abides with us in the same way that it still abided with these these early Christian communities that that were written to in First Peter. So, right. Yep. Once a part of it, always a part of it. Yes kind of the kind of the thing so um what else i think that's what we got for today okay do you think that'll preach i think it'll preach do you think it'll preach i mean probably it's up to you <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome i think it will uh should we have a closing prayer let's do that okay uh, loving and gracious God, as I think about this passage, I think about I think about the practice of communion, actually, and I think about uh, words written by Marty Haugen uh, to one of my favorite communion hymns. 
as the grains of wheat once scattered on the hill have been gathered into one to become our bread. So may all the people from all the realms of earth, from all the places of earth be gathered into one in you. Thank you, O oh God, for your spirit, which unites us throughout time, throughout space. Thank you for the spirit that draws us towards one another, even if we cannot physically be present to one another, that draws us towards one another's lives, towards one another's passions, towards one another's hopes and dreams. May you continue, O oh God, to pull us together. May you continue to inspire us to live holy lives to become living stones, inspired by the life, by the preaching, by the teaching, by the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus the Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. We'll see you all next week. Yeah. Until next time, toodaloo.